This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the Wave in the Weed podcast on 435 Podcast Network, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I've been told to do this by my producer who is me. He's a very smart man and he's somebody I trust. And he told me that I should start doing this at the beginning of the podcast as opposed to the end. So if you've made it this far, 25 seconds, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I can't emphasize enough how much that means. If you're listening for the first time, second time, third time, and you like it, I would love for you to Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. It means the world to me, and I appreciate you so much for spending your time with me every week or ever so often, or if this is your first time listening. we got a great show for you. Matt Tate of the LJ World, KUSports.com. Good friend of mine. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of things with Matt. We'll talk about this Lance Leipold contract. We'll talk about Kansas football, a potential bowl game versus Mizzou. Hmm, might that interest you? And, of course, we'll talk some KU hoops after ugly ending down there in the Bahamas in that final against Tennessee and then bouncing back against Texas Southern. Not sure if that Texas Southern game is going to be seen as a statement win, so we may not touch too much on that. But three weeks into the season, maybe do a little inventory check on where Kansas basketball is. I have a lot of takes on everything that I just mentioned, but we're going to get to all of them. It's a very lengthy discussion I had with Matt, so enough with the preamble. Let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with a good friend, Matt Tate. All right, Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You know him by now. Uh, happy father of a brand new baby girl. Congratulations, my man. How you feeling? Thanks, man. Fabulous. You know, like it is the coolest thing in the world. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening have, have experienced it. Um, and, and I don't care how many times you have experienced it. It's still the coolest thing in the world every time. And, and, uh, she, you know, as we're recording this, uh, she's, what is it? Uh, 12 days old. And in some ways it feels like she should be one day old. In some ways it feels like she's been with me my entire life. You know, she's yeah. just, it's incredible. Um, and she's, she's a great baby. She's been phenomenal so far. Uh, letting mom and dad sleep a little bit way more than you hear the horror stories. Like I know plenty of people who are like for months, you know, I'm getting one or two hours a night. I can't get, you know, and, and, you know, as long as we keep her fed, she'll, she'll, she's not afraid to go like one to five or one to six, just rocking the sleep. So I feel like that's genetic. I feel like 
she she picked up some good genes. Her mother and I both like to sleep hard and sleep in, so uh, it was probably inevitable. But that part is you know a little bit a little bit daunting. You get a little worried about how that's going to go, and and here I am smiling and head up, and I'm not going to pass out halfway through this podcast. I don't think. We'll see. You, you could bore the hell out of me, and maybe yeah. it will, but it's still I won't hurt. <laughs> yeah, I don't don't make any promises in the first ninety seconds of this conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Congrats, man. I'm happy for you, and I uh, appreciate you taking some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to talk to me because a lot going on around KU athletics right now. And no I think doubt. Thing on a lot of people's mind is Lance Leipold signing a contract extension officially, or I guess I should say technically. Uh, through 2029, but realistically, it's what a three-year extension. At which point, you probably re-up, or if he leaves, then you know you try and once again convince him to stay. There's a lot of stuff in here. Whether you want to talk about the finances, all of the different clauses, the money that he's going to get for assistant coaches, the the sort of ties to him and Travis Goff, the ties to the stadium renovations. When you saw the contract, what was maybe the headline for you? What was the the big thing that stuck out to you about this extension? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's no question that it was the money first um, because it's a big contract. It, it's, 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 it's deserved, but it's a big contract. I mean, this, this, I think jumps him up to, I, I think it's sixth. I, I, I took a close look and, and some of those, you know, the Baylor and TCU uh, they, they're not required to, to disclose, um, you know, you know, people though, and you, you make calls and you find out what you, what, what, what people think it is. And so I think this puts him at sixth in the conference. Currently uh, I looked at the four schools that were coming in as well. Uh, he'd be ahead of all of those. Um, the Cincinnati coach who's now Wisconsin was making 5 million. Um, hard for me to think they would pay their, his replacement 5 million. So I think he stays ahead of all four of those guys. Um, and then of course, when OU and Texas bolt, that vaults him up a couple spots too. So it, it, you know, it, it's big money. It's, it's big money in the context. And I wrote this, uh, you remember, all of us remember when Luke Perkins was hellbent on making the Kansas job, a $2 million job. Um, Turner Gill came in in 2009 and for, you know, in December and he was making $450,000 a year at Buffalo. I remember thinking then as, you know, a non gray hair, having young dude in the game still, you probably could have doubled that and he would have come like you, you, the guy's making four fifty. If you give him a million dollars, he still would have come. But you know, Lou was hell bent on this being, Hey, I'm going to dis- dictate what this job is. It's a $2 million job. Damn it. Uh, t- t- by today's standards, it's funny to even think that, right? Like $2 million <laughs> is nothing. And I did the context on that too. I, I looked up what was Nick Saban making then. It was like 4.7 million at Alabama in 2009. I mean, so the context is important, but I think, you know, it's been a miserable 10, 12, 13 years. Kansas football has, until Leipold arrived, done nothing but take steps back. And yet here we are in 2022, coming up on 2023, and they're paying their football coach $5 million a year. So whether it's inflation or just, signs of progress or a real massive movement within the program, things have changed a lot. And, and all of a sudden this job is a $5 million job and they're determined to make it that. So, so tying in with that, right. The, the, the clause in there that says 
you'll always be in the top half of the conference. That's massive because that is is more than words. That's more than saying, hey, we're going to commit. That's committed. And that's them saying, look, if you fall below that, we'll change the contract and we'll make sure you're above that. So that's big stuff. Um, I just think the commitment part of it is is just so massive. Yeah, the money's big, but but that part of the commitment, um, giving Leipold the opportunity to 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 opt out and and terminate the contract if he doesn't see progress on the on the strength facility and and progress on the stadium renovations and 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 if Travis Goff's no longer the AD, I mean, you're putting a lot of a lot of control in his hands. And I know people kind of read that the wrong way and, and maybe thought that was giving him too much power or he won the contract. He didn't win the contract. This is a win-win. Kansas had to get him to sign it, and he signed it. So there's nothing wrong with with the, the clauses. There's nothing wrong with what they did to, to make him feel wanted. And and I think it's a, you know, you know I wrote this too. This, this, isn't, this isn't a university trying to, lock up a coach so they don't lose him. This is a university trying to give a coach that they believe in the resources he needs. And to me, that makes all the difference in the world. Well, you talk about winning, like who wins, right? Win, win. Did he, because I think what a lot of people, to your point, what a lot of people saw when they looked at that contract was, wow, KU is giving up a lot of concessions and they're making it to where it wouldn't be that hard in two years for another school to come and steal him away and pay right. what would be $6 million, $5 million, whatever. And the ties to God, he has a lot of outs, right? If things don't go his way, I think that's what a lot of people see and say, wow, KU gave up a lot here. But what I think you got to remember is the situations at which both sides are bargaining from. Lance Leipold's a hot commodity. Yeah. Yeah. Nebraska, Wisconsin. I'm sure there's a laundry list of other schools who he wasn't entertaining, but the idea that like there are other programs who would want to hire him away from Kansas that gives him leverage. And the fact of the matter here is Kansas didn't have any, what leverage did Kansas have to keep Lance Leipold around? He so likes it here. That's right. The you got. That's the best you got. But I'm sorry. There's a lot of guys who have liked it where they were at and then taken jobs elsewhere because the options were more attractive. There's not even a beach here. How much can you right. like it? Right. So if you're Kansas, then you have to move to the point of, okay, well, what do we want? And what Kansas football wants and has been wanting for a long time is any semblance of stability. Yeah. 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 So you give up those concessions to get that thing, to get the stability that you have been yearning for and that your fans have been yearning for for more than a decade. And if you have to give up a contract that might be slightly to heavily slanted in the coach's favor, it's worth it. It's worth it if you get that stability, even only for a couple of years, because look at what Leipold's done in two years. He's already got this program to an elevated status from where they were. And if you think he's the guy and you want him around, then I, would assume, then I would assume you think he's also going to continue to build off that. And if he does leave in three or four years, then the program will be in an even better position at that point. Yeah. And, you, you know, you have to bring reality into play, too. Right. Like, Nick, if you're Lance Leipold or his agent and I'm Kansas and I put a contract in front of you that says, OK, well, but if you leave in year two, three, four, 
you owe us $20 million. Are you signing that? No. The, neither is Lance. So, and his agent would advise him not to. So it's, it's, it's not one-sided. It's not as easy as saying, you should have made the buyout $10 billion. Well, the other guy still has to like it. The other guy still has to sign it. You have to get that signature. And, and so that's the number one goal. They got it. That's why I think Kansas won. And you're damn right. I think Lance Leipold won. He got a fat raise. I mean, this dude was making, I, I think I heard that maybe his, his, his last year at Wisconsin Whitewater, I think he was making $109,000 a year. This is D3, right? And I mean, he's a six-time national champion there. And, and I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what I heard. Um, man, four years at, what was he? Uh, six years at Buffalo? What was he? Uh, yeah, six seasons. Okay, so so six there, two here. Eight, nine years later, you're making $5 million on the 109000 that you started at? Like, come on. I mean, I, I you know, I, I know when he first got the whitewater job, I think his salary was seventy thousand dollars a year. Like, it's been a good decade for for Team Leipold, man. I mean, that's 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 serious, serious multiplying right there, and and deservedly so. He's earned it. And if you're in the camp that says, "Hey, this these contracts, these coaches' contracts are out of control," then yeah, you're not wrong, but there's still reality. And if you want to play in the game, you got to be in that, in that position. And and so it's deserved. The guy has proven he can do it everywhere he's been. And this is the guy you want. And, and so um, I think it was a great contract for both sides. I really do. Okay. So I want to backtrack here a little bit. Um, you talked about what he wanted, right? The investment in building the investment and having more money for assistance, and for the coaching staff, the clause about making significant progress towards the stadium. It's important to remember here that Lance Leipold, I don't want this to get lost because this has not happened in Kansas in a long time. Lance Leipold decided, I want to be at Kansas. I have had success. Other people want to hire me, but this is where I'm going to stay. Now you could go around, turn around and say, well, you know, maybe Kansas was offering him way more than he was going to get anywhere else. Yeah, in a con in a contractual sense, of course. Like that that's the only guarantees you can make as a school is what you put in writing. What you can't guarantee is that you're going to be good. Right. What you can't guarantee is that fans are going to pack the stands. You can't guarantee that you're going to continue winning. That's where Leipold comes in, but that was one thing that when you're going through the contract you don't really think about, but then you take a step back and you sort of see the big picture here. It's like this is a, a successful head coach was a hot commodity. He was going to be a national coach of the year candidate. And he said, you know what? I'm staying here. I want to stay at Kansas. And that is almost like, it's tough for me to wrap my head around because this has never been a place for guys who had any other options because Les Miles didn't have any other options. Nobody else was hiring him. Nobody else was hiring David Beatty. You sure? I'm, I'm, I feel good about that. I feel good about the, the idea that there wasn't a bidding war for the Texas A&M wide receiver coach back in, uh, what was that, 2015 or whatever? Fair enough. I'll give you that one then. What does that mean? No, like, you're right. He built, like he built it. He's, he's built what, what's happening right now. He's built this new culture at Kansas football. So maybe he just wants to be a part of what he built. 
how much is that a factor? Like the idea that he gets to sort of have total control over a football program. Do you think that's something like the power and the leverage that he has that would make it more attractive than maybe having less control or less power at a program, maybe more ready built to succeed and and do that at a sustainable level? Sure. I think that's human nature to some degree. Right. And, and I mean, especially for guys like football coaches or coaches in general, I mean, um, th- th- those guys want to run their own ship. They, they want to be in charge. They want to call the shots and, and a lot of them get to, uh, a lot of them don't, but, but yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got a heavy hand here and, um, he doesn't get everything he wants and nor should he, but he's heavily involved in, stadium conversations he's heavily involved in um obviously creating the staff that he wants and and clearly bringing in the players that he wants he's heavily involved in the name image and likeness conversations and and opportunities for his guys and and believes rightly so that that's a huge part of the future of this program and any program um and he's a big part of all that. So, so you're, you're right about that. There's no doubt that that that's all new. And, and so I think in some ways it's, it's new to him too, but the fact that it's new to him and it's new in the realm of college football and, and at, at Kansas, certainly um, those two things mesh up pretty well. And I, I think that goes a long way toward making him, you know, feel comfortable in, in the space he's in. The, the other side of it is there's a lot of talk about, look what the guy's done in just his second year at Kansas. I understand that. I mean, it's, we just covered it and I still don't believe it happened. I mean, they're going to go play in a bowl game. They won six games. They won six games with a couple games to spare. They didn't even have to go to game 12 to get the sixth win. You know, like I was there. I watched all this stuff. I covered this and, and I still don't really believe it, but so, so it makes sense for people to marvel at that. But I think it's, it's probably a two way street there too, because I think if you're Lance Leipold or Travis Goff or, you know, any number of people connected to that program, you look at what the fans did. You look at what the culture became. You look at how, God dang, these people showed up in just two years because they weren't there like that in year two for David Beatty. They weren't like that in, in year two for Les Miles. They certainly weren't like that in year two for Turner Gill or Charlie Weiss, but they showed up now. And and part of that's the product. Part of that's winning. There's no doubt that that helped. You know, it wasn't going to be sold out for Duke if they went and laid an egg at West Virginia and at Houston, everybody knows that that's, that's simple stuff, but they still did it right. They still showed up. And I think the the timing of that, where we are at a really important crossroads for college football, college athletics, and these fans are smart fans, man. They understand that. And I think they realize that we've got to show commitment too. We've got to show that this means something. We've got to show that this is important to us or else we know what could happen. We could be left out in the cold and be in the Mountain West or whatever it is, right? And and so um, I, I just think it was a perfect storm of, of both sides. Lance deserves a crap ton of credit for getting this thing to six wins in year two. But I think he would be the first to tell you that the fans deserve a ton of credit too for showing up and, and making this thing really go. Because 
they could have won six games this year in front of an empty stadium and it still would have been six wins and they'd still be going to a bowl. But you wouldn't feel like you feel about the future of this program if both sides of that equation weren't peak level. I mean, this has been a massive turnaround on both sides. So now this is my favorite part about the whole thing. Now, what do you do? You better do it again. You can't go, you can't go to two and 10 next year and there's no reason to think they will, but you don't want to see what happens if that, if that's where you go. So now you work harder. And now if you're fans, you, you donate more. And if you're fans, you buy season tickets. And if you're fans, you know, you're going to the games starting February 5th. You, you, yeah. What are you doing next fall? I'm going to six KU football games at home. I know I am. Or is it seven next year? You know, whatever it is. Right. But, but it has to go from here. You can't take steps backwards now. And I don't think they will. I'll be honest. I think that I think the best part about it for Kansas fans is, or maybe this is just me because I'm tired of, of talking about it is the clause. And actually I want to pull up the exact wording here. Um, a, a stipulation involving the stadium renovations. KU has to continue to working towards making those upgrades happen or Leipold's contract is basically voided. It says, quote, the parties agree that if KU has not made meaningful and substantial progress toward either adding additional square footage to Anderson family football complex or stadium renovations by December 15th of 2023. So a year from now, the head coach should have the right to terminate the agreement. So that is holding your program accountable. And you could argue if you want to be a pest, if you want to do half glass empty, you could say, well, it shouldn't be the coach's determination as to the stadium renovations. Listen, I don't care who it is getting it done. It could be Lance Leipold. It could be Andy Nikki. I don't care. As long as someone is ensuring that this stadium, which has been in a massive need of a facelift for decades, Matt, gets that done. That is a win for the University of Kansas because five years from now, 10 years from now, we won't have to talk about that. Whoever the next coach is or the coach after that or the coach after that who's hired, we won't have to hear them talking about needing stadium renovations. I mean, can you go back over the years and think about all the different things that all the different head coaches have had to say or the ADs have had to say about the stadium? Remember Turner Gill tried to do the uh, the touchdown club? You remember that? The, the original touchdown club? On the east side side of the stadium. Right. And that didn't happen. That banner was up there. It was coming fall 2010 touchdown club. And the banner was up there forever. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, you've been sold this idea that it's coming. It's right. It's coming around the corner, man. The stadium's getting upgraded and it's never happened. And for the first time, every Kansas fan can sit with confidence and say, it's happening. Yeah. They are going to fix that stadium. So even if Leipold's gone in three years, that next coach has a new stadium. And so the whole idea of like haves and have nots in college football and the advantages that bigger programs are always going to have over Kansas, you're never going to catch up to the big dogs of the world. There's always going to be those haves and have nots. But if you can narrow that margin by just a little bit, by joining the 21st century with your football stadium, that to me is the biggest part of this whole thing. It's not about Leipold. It's about the program, something that will live on far beyond Travis Goff and Lance Leipold and anybody who's currently there. Yeah, great point. Um, I, I think it's interesting in that clause too, and it's important because what is it meaningful and substantial? Those are the words, right? And and a little bit 
just a little below those, it said it defines what that means because that's important too. Like what's meaningful and substantial to you could be different. What's meaningful and substantial to me. And we could go butt heads about that all day long. Well, they can't like meaningful and substantial according to that contract is defined as construction or renovations have commenced. So you don't have to have the thing done. You don't have to have, you know, uh, even half of it done, but you have to have some freaking shovels in the ground. You have to have some machinery moving dirt and, and they're going to, I mean, when that stuff was announced in October, it, it, it you know, I was told then that, that look, that you're going to see this start at Anderson as soon as the end of this season before maybe even the, uh, the, the, the calendar year is over. Now that might change because of the bowl game. Um, they may not be able to get going quite that early, uh, but that's a good problem to have. But either can way, I, let me stop you real quick. What do you know specifically, like what they want done to Anderson Football Complex? I think I for, anybody think, who doesn't, for anybody who's not aware, this is the facility on the south, south side of the stadium, yeah. southwest side of the stadium, which is basically where all the team offices, the locker rooms, stuff like that is. Yeah, the weight room, training facility, yeah, right. nutrition center, uh, equipment yeah, so room, all that. They just yeah. got the locker rooms done right. a couple of years ago. Do you know specifically like what enhancements they want to make there? I think it's square footage, and I think that's in the contract. It doesn't specifically okay. spell that out, but I, I just think the building's not big enough for um, what they need. And and if you do the math, it makes sense, right? Because and we've talked about this on here. People have written about it, talked about it. Fans have talked about it as much of a disaster as that Jeff Long and Les Miles situation was. And as much as it didn't do much on the field to move this thing forward, there was a small beginning of, of giving this program better resources. And by better resources, that meant more staff, more analysts, more positions and all of that. And so if you've now got that as the norm, if that's what your program is, you just have X number of analysts or X number of this or whatever, and you've got more bodies than David Beatty and Charlie Weiss and those guys had, you got to have somewhere to put them. They, they need their offices. They need their room. You can't have three analysts sharing one tiny office. So I, I'm sure there's more to it than that. And, and, you know, obviously in the world we live in and in, in all of athletics, but especially college athletics, you you could build a state of the art training facility tomorrow, and by next week it's already outdated, right? Somebody's already building another one that's nicer. So I'm sure they're going to to upgrade and, and do some of that stuff. But I think I think it's big, big, big on the space, just pure square footage. Okay, uh, I'm glad we talked as long as we did about that because I feel like there's just so much to cover in doing five, 10 minutes on this because it is. I mean, it's one of the biggest moments in, I mean, I, in, my, in my lifetime. Yeah. Aside from the Orange Bowl, this might be the biggest moment in Kansas football. Moment. Yeah, that's not crazy to say. You're right. And, and it's crazy to think, but it's not crazy to say. Um, no, because it's a, it's, a, it's a commitment to football that I've never seen from this university in my life. Well, and it feels real. It's not lip service. It's not, this is what we hope. It's, I mean, you've heard administrators say, we're doing this. It's pretty yeah. cool. Um, it's going to take time. Like, right. That's important to remember. There's not going to be a brand new shiny stadium two years from now. It's, it's not going to look like that Northwestern stadium that they, that they 
throughout the drawings of that ridiculously nice thing and, and others. Yeah. But they're heading in that direction and it's meaningful and substantial progress from here on out. So um, yeah, big stuff, man. It is. You're right. It's huge, huge stuff. I got one more football thing for you before we get to basketball stuff. I didn't think this would even really be a topic because last week, week before it sort of got, people have sort of been talking about it for a while. The idea that KU Missouri could play in a bowl game. And then last week, more and more stuff started to come out. The idea that, you know, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis would really want to see Kansas and Missouri down there in that game on what I think is December 28th. And I, and I heard that and I was like, wow, that would be just an incredible draw for KU fans who have wanted to see these teams get back together. I know there's like a small vocal minority that says they never want to see it happen anymore. Um, I'm not really going to address those people. Hey, you're entitled <laughs> to your own opinion. I'm not really going to get into it, though. <laughs> I want to ask you, though. Would you be a fan? And I get it. You're an unbiased journalist. I get it. But you covered a lot of KU Mizzou. Would you be a fan of those two teams playing in a bowl game this year? It's a tough question for me to answer. Um, One part of me says, sure, sounds fun. And bowls should be fun. Um, The other thing that bowls should do is draw fans and most of them don't in fact most of them are embarrassingly bad attendance and i don't know how obviously corporate sponsors keep them alive but if i'm sponsoring 80 percent of those bowls and i'm watching my bowl game on tv as a as a corporation and i go why is no one there i'm done sponsoring that bowl game right like it's just bad And so I've thought there are way too many bowls for way too long. Um, But that's not really the question you asked. So I I think that bowl games should be fun. And I think that bowl games should draw good fans, good support and good atmospheres. And there is no question that if the Liberty Bowl is able to choose Kansas and Missouri, um, there's no question that that place would be packed. Okay, I feel like there's a butt coming. I think there is a butt. I don't know. For some reason, I don't love it. And I don't really know why. Like, um, I, you know, I, I, I think it's a good matchup. I think it'd be a great game. I, I think Missouri and Kansas are, are, are probably somewhat comparable. I haven't watched Missouri a lot. Uh, followed their, their, their progress a little bit. They're obviously in a different conference and I'm busy, but, but you know, I know they have a decent team. I would imagine KU is probably a favorite in that game. That'd be my guess, but, um, but I think it's a good matchup. I mean, it's two, six and six teams. That's what you're going to get. Right. So, um, good matchup, great atmosphere, history, storylines, all that stuff. But maybe that's part of it for me. Maybe I just, so much of Lance Leipold and the stadium stuff we just talked about and, and finally making moves is about moving forward for KU. And this doesn't, this, we're going to drum up this game and all of a sudden it's going to mean the most thing in the world to everybody. Like these two teams haven't played each other in a hundred years either. And they're going to play each other again soon. They've got that series on the, on the books and and it'll happen, but I, I, I don't think it's a step backwards and I don't think, I don't blame anybody for thinking it's awesome. It probably would be awesome. Um, 
when we saw that that basketball fundraiser event for hurricane relief over at Sprint Center, that was cool. It was it, and it was the same sort of thing. That was basically a bowl game, right? And and it, it meant nothing. And yet both both sides showed up and it was packed and it had buzz and it was fun. Um, so, so I, I was, I was not looking forward to covering that thing very much. And then it turned out to be really cool. Uh, part of it was the cause and, and what they came together to do, but I would, I would not be surprised at all if this is what happens here. Like, I'm like, Oh God, they're playing in a freaking bowl game. What, what are we same old storylines? Don Famro hates Missouri, you know, yada, yada. Right. Like we've heard those a million times. Um, but then I think you get down there, something about seeing those two colors on the field against each other. You see the stands, black and gold, red and blue, packed. Beale Street, Memphis, it's buzzing. Like, that's cool. Uh, you know, that, that's cool. I'm not going to be get off my lawn, old man river, haterade guy. You know, that, that that's yeah. not what I want to do. So I think it'd be cooler if KU played somebody like Florida or – um, you know, somebody that they don't traditionally play and, and maybe somebody that can help them with a little bit of recruiting. Um, I, I think that that's, that's an angle here. Right. Um, but they could also play BYU or they could also play Louisiana tech. And I don't know who gets excited about that. So if you're just trying to be excited about the damn bowl game, then sure. KU Missouri makes a lot of sense. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I think there's a fair chance that the Liberty Bowl's in play. I think there's a fair chance that Phoenix guaranteed rate bowl's in play and, and maybe one or two others. What I'm really interested in seeing is the Liberty Bowl, the guaranteed rate bowl, even the Texas Bowl, which I think picks ahead of both of those. Uh, you know, those, those mid-tier type bowls aren't used to getting a crack at the Oklahomas and the Baylors and the Oklahoma States of the world. And would would the Liberty Bowl be happier to say we had OU in our bowl or do they just want KU and they just want the the starving fan base that they know is going to show up to show up? I mean, I don't think you have a wrong answer there. So I, I think it's the bowl selection process is going to be really interesting. But um, I, I think the Liberty Bowl would be a great bowl for KU to go to. Yeah, it, to me, like where I come out with it, and I was kind of surprised by this because a lot when I heard KU Mizzou, I'm like, awesome, you know, I think this would be a great matchup. And then more and more people kept asking me, like, are you a fan of this? I was like, I didn't even know this was a question. I thought everybody would be a fan of this. And these are other fans asking me, right? Yeah, yeah. Not someone like you who doesn't have the rooting interest that you know, someone like myself might. And I thought, why? Why the hell not? Like, I, I get it. They're gonna play again in three years, but. I think about those stories, like the nostalgic times of that rivalry, which has been known when it was going as one of the greatest rivalries in the history of college athletics. Right. And I, and I thought, what a, what an interesting way, what a cool way to reignite that rivalry. The idea that, Hey, we're not going to play in three years, but let's give you a little taste because I'll tell you this much 10 years from now, KU beats Kentucky in the Liberty Bowl. Nobody's going to be talking about, hey, remember that time KU beat Kentucky in the Liberty Bowl? Sure. You know why? Because it's Kentucky and it's the Liberty Bowl or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or the Armed Forces Bowl. By the way, just as an aside, 
the names of these bowls do not help themselves. Like the, 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 the more corporate the, the names of the bowls get, the less interested I am. It just doesn't sound cool to play in the guaranteed rate bowl. Right. 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 No, man, not when, not when they used to be cool things, right? Like right, right, right. The peach bowl and the blue bonnet bowl and the citrus well, bowl. And I'm not I mean, sure the blue bonnet bowl necessarily goes with those other hey, two. Hey, it does today, man. John Hadle passed today. It does. Yeah, like, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, but I think to me, it's just like that, that. You'll remember that though. If KU goes and plays Missouri in the Liberty Bowl and you say, and you, and you're talking about how they hadn't played in a bowl game since 2009. And then the first game back, they played Missouri and they went down and beat them in the like that to me, that that's a memory. That's a that's a new chapter in in this legacy or that the this this rivalry's legacy. Yeah. Hey, who they who they play in the bowl game back in two thousand eight? In two thousand end of the two thousand eight season, yeah. Minnesota. There you go. But you, right, you had a pause. You had to think, had to think that's, about that's it for a second. Kind of making your point for you, right? Like that's why I asked because you're right. I mean, that's that's there would be no pause of it, hey, it would be Missouri, right? And we went down there and kicked their ass, even if it's a one point right. game. They're saying we kicked their ass too. Right. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, losing to them would suck as well. But that's the point of rivalries, man. It feels awesome to win. It sucks to lose. But that, and I've heard people say that too. Like, what's the benefit if you go down there and lose? I'm like. That's rivalries, man. Yeah. You lose and it sucks, but that's not a reason not to play rivalries. So I understand both sides of it. I do yeah, look like, right. Like, like the, 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 the 2007 season, that's one versus two at Arrowhead. Right. Yeah. And who won that game? Missouri did. Correct. But guess what? No Kansas fan gives a damn. As soon as that happens, they go, well, yeah, we won the Orange Bowl that same year. And, oh, by the way, do you remember when Todd Reesing hit Kerry Meyer in the snow the next year to win? Suck it. Like, that's, that's amazing to me. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Missouri win was a bigger win. But yet everyone points to, well, Kerry Meyer in the snow. Like, it's just and, – and that's on KU's side, obviously. Yeah, that's what yeah. we hear. I'm sure the Missouri fans – go crazy about that arrowhead win but but you know, you know, right? you know you know what they say they say it's bullshit that you guys got a an orange bull bid even they, though we beat you to go they to they might the- not be wrong about that <laughs> hey guess what don't matter again that's rivalry i don't need logic on my side right right the orange bull nana nana boo boo right yeah yep. so i i now we're going down a, a kim mizu rabbit hole but i've had a theory for the longest time because now bill self commented on it a couple of days ago and said you know he thinks it would be pretty cool to to see them play in a bowl game what's so funny is that i think him and his vocal and public disdain for missouri right when this whole thing fell apart back in 2012 I think that led to a lot of KU's fans still yeah. disinterest in playing them again. 100%. So I still feel like KU fans were like, well, if he doesn't want to play him, then I don't want to play him. And they're still sort of repeating. The, like I saw some people saying like, well, I don't want to share a stadium with Missouri fans. I'm like, what? That's a, again, do you not understand how rivalries work? You guys get together in the same building and you play a game and they're going to be booing at you and you're going to be booing at them. That's rivalries. And maybe maybe this is it, Matt. Maybe it's just that Kansas fans haven't had that same taste of what a rivalry is since they left because there have been all these debates about, well, is K-State still the same rivalry? It's like, well, I mean, yeah, they're one of the biggest games on the schedule, both sports, anytime the schedule comes out. 
but it's never been the same. No, it never doesn't feel the same like. and it never will be. Like that that this is the whole point of it is the idea that you don't like them, they don't like you and it's not because of the teams, it's just because of who you are. We don't like you because of who you root for and it's not just the teams, we don't like you either. Like that that's rivalry, man. It's pure unadulterated disdain for the other side and I'm all about getting that going in any setting I can possibly have it. Yeah, no, from a bowl perspective, too, it'd be crazy for them to not want that. Like, you know, is is it going to be big outside of the states of Kansas and Missouri? Not so much. You know, there'll be some Big 12 people that pay attention and Mm -hmm. remember it a little bit. And they'll try to market it. And people will try to say, this used to be a great rivalry. But, I mean, you know, you don't have names like like Vince Young and Reggie Bush and, and Matt Leinert and Manti Teow. And, you know, like you don't have these guys that, that have come through Kansas here and in Missouri, they're big, but you know, those guys, I don't know why those were names I pulled out, especially Manti Teow, although the documentary was phenomenal. Great. Phenomenal. He made a lot of fans at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why I did it. I gave him some love subconsciously <laughs> that way, but, but you know, like, it's not going to change the college athletics, college football bowl season. It, it's just going to mean a lot to the two programs. And again, if you're the Liberty Bowl and you're trying to draw fans and you're trying to make an atmosphere that that people think is a lot of fun, that's what you do if you can. You know, if you pick Baylor over Kansas because they historically have a little bit better program. Maybe they have a better team. Obviously, they beat Kansas, whatever, right? And now it's Baylor against Missouri. No one's going to give a rip about that game. No one. Not not even barely Baylor fans or Missouri fans. But if you can put Kansas against Missouri for your bowl sake, you're doing it right. And and I, I it's almost like there should be a bowl committee to just pick the best matchups. And I know the bowls get to choose themselves, and and they they do base it on fan base and, and reputation of the program and all those things. But it would almost be cool if like, you know, 10 guys who just like to watch college football and drink beer got together and just said, okay, okay, let's put the best matchups together. I bet they'd kill it. And I bet it would be a bunch of good bowls. And I'll be honest with you. Part of it's because I cover Kansas. The other part of it's because I think college football has gone to hell in the last decade. The bowl games suck, man. They just suck. And if they're not the college football playoff, they're not the semifinals, which those games have sucked too. Um, but at least the championship game has been pretty good most years. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think the Bulls have, have really fallen off. So I think the playoff needs to expand. I think that helps. I think if you can drum up some interest that way and then everything changes. Um, but I also think if the playoff expands, that adds to the, to the, what the bowls mean to teams too. Um, I just think they've been too watered down lately. So um, that's not going to matter to Kansas. There's no such thing as watered down right now. If you're going to a bowl, you are freaking high on life, man. This is, this is, this is amazing stuff. As we've sat here and talked about it for the last 40 minutes and covered it all season. I still really truly can't believe they got it done this year. It's amazing. Good for them. It is. No, it was good stuff. Uh, I'm glad we went as long as we did on football, but I do want to close out here with some basketball stuff. Uh, about three weeks into the season and going back to before the season, you and I talked about this, but I think everybody was kind of talking about this. You know, the big questions about this team was where's the offense going to come from? 
where who who's the big guy that you trust? Where is the post presence going to be? Uh, how is the bench going to shake out? You're now three weeks in, and my questions, Matt, are: Where's the offense going to come from? <laughs> who's the bench present? Who's the post presence? And uh, where's the bench production going to come from? This offense is. If you were skeptical about the offense before the season, everything that you were worried about has sort of reared its head through the first three weeks. And it was kind of building towards it last week in the Bahamas, you know, even versus NC state and then really against Wisconsin, you kind of said, man, it feels like this team's just getting by. And then it all came apart against Tennessee. I mean, how often are you going to see a team, by the way, turn the ball over 24 times and win the game running away. That is first half. The first yeah. half, seventeen in the first half. Yeah, and that that is what that is what happened to Tennessee and KU in the Bahamas last week. I know it's just one game, but it's so weird how 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 much less optimistic I am about this team going back to after they beat Duke, where I said, "Man, this team looks like they might be ahead of schedule." To now, all of a sudden, saying this is exactly what I was concerned about before the season. Uh, I mean, if you listen to Bill Self you kind of hear the same things over and over again. He's talking about the length. He's talking about, we're not physical enough. He's talking about, we don't have a post presence. Our big guys, six, six. We need one of these young guys to come along. I know it's still early in the season, but is this maybe a little bit farther behind schedule than you were expecting them to be at this point? Yeah. um, Maybe so. I I mean, especially with the bigs, man, you know, like, I don't really know what's happening there. I do know that if you would have told me before the season began that on November 30th or 29th yesterday on his Hawk Talk radio show that that somebody would ask self about, hey, when's Cam Martin coming back? And that he would be like, God, I hope we can get him back soon. Like that would have blown my mind. And (laughs) I like Cam. I think he's a great dude. Um, But I just didn't ever see him factoring in. And all of a sudden, those other guys have done next to nothing. And the thought is that maybe Cam Martin could be the guy. Now he won't. By the, way, by the way, can we just, can we just stop and do a referendum on that by the, because it happens every year. It's not always with the big guys. It often is with the big guys. Yeah. Whenever there's like one position where a guy's not getting it done and then they'll throw in the second guy and he's not really getting it done. And then the third guy, it's so funny to me, and I'm sure other fan bases are the same way, but like if you're watching on Twitter during games and they'll say, well, what about the fourth or fifth guy? Maybe he's the answer. Yeah, yeah of course. Always like, Do you not maybe wonder why he's the fourth or fifth guy? Right. If, you, if, you've, right. if you've not considered that maybe there's a reason that they don't have any good big guys in the first three and they're not even thinking about playing the guy who's number five, there might, there might just be a reason for that. Yeah, well, the coaches don't know what they're doing. That's the reason. Everybody knows that. <laughs> No, yeah. I, that's funny. I'm glad you I'm glad you did that cuz that's that's kind of what I was getting at, right? Like Cam Martin's not the answer. Um could he be better than what those other three guys have shown? Yeah. It wouldn't be hard for him to. Um but can he do it consistently? Can he do it enough? You know, all questions that still have to be answered. Um but but it underscores the idea of of what's happening there and and um Zach Clements, I've got no answer for. I don't know what's going on, why his confidence looks completely shot. Um, I expected, I know a lot of people expected him to be a lot different, a lot better, even a little bit more, you know, swaggy 
kind of guy. Like he's, he is, he's cocky dude and feels himself. And he has looked like a shell of that in the limited minutes that he's gotten. Now, part of it, he missed a couple games because of that knocked in the nose and all that. But even before that, it was, it was the writing was on the wall there. Um, so that one's weird to me for sure. Um, Zuby and, and Ernest, man, they're, they're freshmen. I don't, I don't think that's crazy to think that that's taking some time. Um, neither of them was recruited here to start right away. Um, self did say a couple of times in the, in the, in the off season that both of them were ahead of where they thought they would be. So I think maybe that kind of created this, this uneven world in people's minds of like, well, those guys are going to be great. Well, they probably are. I think they're both their their future is phenomenal. I think they're both going to be really good players, but um, they're not ready, you know? And, and so what do you do? You know, that like, that's, that's the dilemma. You, you just don't have a guy and you actually do, but he's just too short because KJ Adams is an absolute monster. And by the way, I've, I, I've loved watching him. Hell yes, you have. Yeah. I know that everybody just wants to see somebody else get in there and I get it. He's six, 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 seven, big guy that just, it's not enough, but for what he's been asked to do early on in the season, I, I love the way he plays. Well, look, they need to embrace it. And by they, I mean the fans, of course, which, you know, hit or miss there. I'm not, I'm not going to hold, hold them to it. It's Twitter. Uh, you know. Well, fans are always going to gravitate towards the highest upside player. That's right. That's right. But, but the coaches need to embrace it too, because I think the longer you sit there and wait for, for Ernest or Zuby or Zach or Cam or whatever to, to come, I, I don't know that they're coming, man. Like, could you, they be? A, you think there's a chance that KJ could be that dude all season? I think so. I, and I, I think you're not far from committing to it. You know, like if you've got games against Seton Hall, Missouri, Indiana, and Harvard coming up, good opponents. Harvard's not so good this year, but those other three are good opponents. Top 100 type teams in, in Ken Palm, um, if not higher, Indiana's ranked pretty high. Like th- those will be good tests, all of them. And if you don't get anything out of Ernest or Zuby or Zach or Cam, if he's back, I don't know how you don't go into that that Christmas break time with with the extra practice time that you get and, and right before Big 12 play starts and say, OK, we gave it a shot. Let's let's roll. This is KJ, man. And we're going to figure out how to play that way. And we're going to post Jalen more and we're going to post McCuller more. And we're going to post Grady more. And MJ is going to play a lot. And, you know, you just you just become that team. And. You, you beat everybody in a track meet and you try to beat up everybody because KJ will beat up anybody. He's physical. Um, and if people score over the top of you inside, they score over the top of you inside. You got to outscore them on the other end then. And you have the pieces to do that. You just have to play crazy fast and crazy physical and, and make the team that you're playing uncomfortable. And they have the pieces to do that. So I'm not surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, because there's a lot of potential with Ernest and, and Zuby even, um, but especially Ernest, if he can just kind of settle his head and just, and just play ball. Um, but it's hard. They're throwing a lot at him. They're telling him this, 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 you've heard Norm talk about it a hundred times, you know, set the screen. You got to be a better screener. You can run to the rim as well as anybody, but set the screen first. Well, what's he out there thinking about every minute of every game he's on the floor. I got to set this screen. And then he gets called for an offensive foul, setting an illegal screen, and then that wrecks his head. He's like, damn it. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot. It is a lot more than it looks like. And uh, so, so 
you know, there's time and give them a few more weeks. I think that's fair. But man, if you go into Big 12 play hoping for those guys to break through still, I don't know that your 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 hopes are in the right place. I, I think by that time, I think you ride KJ and you say, This is who we are, and we're gonna play lightning quick basketball and, and we're gonna just hope that we got enough inside. And what that means is Kevin McCullough, you gotta average seven or eight rebounds a game. Jalen, you got to get a double-double because that's what you do. KJ, don't be an offensive rebounder only. Go get the defensive glass too. Be good. Be great. And everybody else do your job too and and see what happens. But um, if they do that, you know, I still think they could be a really good team. I don't think that's crazy. But um, I know it'll be uncomfortable. And and that's what is crazy. But no matter how much those other guys develop, they're they're not going to be throw it inside to them. Yeah. So why not figure something else out earlier while you still have time to kind of work through it? Yeah. And you know what? It, it's, it's early on. It's kind of giving me 2021, 2019 vibes. And those are teams that never really did figure it out. But I will say one thing this team has that those didn't is more individual talent. So I'm not ready to go there quite yet. And I understand that team the fans are kind of going, okay, is this going to be one of those years? Sure. But sure. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, man. Hey, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, dude. It's always good to to chat with you and I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Congratulations once again, my man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Always fun. You know that. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a lot going on. It's, it's, yes, sir. it's a crazy crossover season for, for Kansas. And um, I, I've said it a hundred times. I said it on here a few times, man. Good for those guys. That football team deserved that. The fans deserved it. And uh, that football team's got a bunch of good dudes on that team. And it's cool to see good good dudes rewarded for for the work they put in because those past teams, man, you know these guys, you know you, you know these guys, right? The Joe Denines, the Ben Heaney's, the the James Sims, Tony Pearson, Michael Reynolds. I mean, Fish Smiths, and go on and on yeah, and on. Stephen Johnson, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stephen some- Johnson. There you go. Those dude, those guys worked. They worked, but it just wasn't there. The whole thing wasn't there. And so, you know, these guys put the work in, but but they finally got what they deserved and, and uh, you know, and now we get to see what it looks like. So uh, I'm excited about finding out where they're headed and, and who they're playing. And, and if it's Missouri, I know you'll be fired up. We found that out tonight. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, thanks brother. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Be good. Thanks. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening. Thanks to Matt Tate for hopping on with me. Thanks to you for listening. We'll do it again next week. It's the Wave in the Wheat podcast, 610 Sports Radio, Apple and Spotify. Talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.